1: to uh, give you a heads up with this particular podcast. uh, My microphone was uh, sounding a little bit under the weather, so you may notice unevenness in volume and so forth and tonal quality. Uh, So I apologize in advance, uh, but I do hope you enjoy this episode of Book of Nature. Welcome to the Book of Nature podcast, exploring the nature of science and the science of nature from the perspective of three Christians working in the sciences. My name is Todd Pedler, and I'm an associate professor of physics at Luther College in Decorah, Iowa, and I'll be your host for this particular episode. Joining me today out about seven or eight hours to my east from Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana, where he is assistant professor in the Department of Earth, Atmospheric and Planetary Sciences, is Dan Dawson. How are you this fine day, sir? I am pretty good. Uh just had my last day of classes yesterday
0: um, and uh, final on Monday, so I'm almost done with the semester except for the grading.
1: How, um, how much of that I have exam to write my have you exam.
0: written? What's that?
1: How much of that exam have you written? Uh, nothing. <laughs> yep. but luckily, luckily, this will drop after the exam, so your students won't find out how how,
0: <laughs> how behind you are. Oh, yeah. Well... They kind of had a good uh, dose of that, how behind I can be throughout the whole semester. So <laughs> I, I doubt they would be surprised. Was this your first solo class? Uh, y- yes, as a matter of fact, it is. How about that? Yeah. So I thought, <laughs> it, I thought it went pretty well considering yeah. how that. But yeah. Um, yeah. I had some good material from uh, f- or other classes and from colleagues that I could could draw off on i think it would have been a whole lot harder if i didn't have that that is that is the way
1: that we in academia do it my friends yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> shamelessly we crib our lectures from others <laughs> yeah. as t.s Eliot said i think the best poets steal right yeah um, and that's uh yeah well uh, that that's good i'm i'm, I'm glad so you're, you're 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 surviving it's uh but man end of semester yeah, and
0: uh <laughs> trying really hard to get a proposal done and looks like that's not going to happen before the end of the year. Uh but uh hmm. it's it's getting there. Um just hmm. Yeah, this was uh kind of uh, my first semester where I really had all the full teaching and all the other stuff going on at the same time and so uh Yeah. it was it was kind of kind of a little bit of a shell shock, but it, it's an
1: adventure, but it's yeah. a good one. Well, and, um we are sitting here under crystal blue skies uh, for the last 24 hours or so. It's absolutely gorgeous. Cold as all get out, but uh, thanks to high pressure. Nice um,
0: Arctic high. Yep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, dear listeners, it's been a very long time since we uh, last recorded an episode. Uh, it's been, been a very long time since we last recorded an episode as a full cast of characters. You'll notice that we don't have the deep baritone of uh mr charles hackney uh here um as he is busy with other things but we decided we better press on um for john we must as it were our last episode uh released halloween week was part of the massive christian humanist radio network crossover event on the twilight zone um a lot of fun to do that uh, uh dan how about you how'd you enjoy it Oh yeah, it was great. Uh had
0: um Nathan Gilmore and um and I'm blanking now. Uh who was it? Um from uh from uh Danny Anderson's show a couple of uh times he was he was Oh on goodness, there.
1: was it, it wasn't Jordan? <laughs> yeah,
0: Jordan, that's it. Golly. Okay. I knew it was yeah. Sorry Jordan. I really enjoyed you on the show and I hope you come back sometime. But
1: uh, Yeah, that was no. it, yeah. It, it was good. I went I went on Danny's show and we had a we had a, a good time. So um check that out if you uh if you uh, haven't um all of the all of the Christian Humanist Radio Network podcasts did uh Twilight Zone episodes and uh explored uh different uh, different Twilight Zone episodes, different issues. So uh, we had a had a good time doing that. I guess that's going to start to be an annual thing, um, which I'm which I'm perfectly happy with. Um, prior to that, our last releases were, as one Facebook commenter uh, called them, our narcissism episodes, uh, uh, our, our biography episodes. Uh, last one came, I think, in July, um, and uh, we also over the summer. Did a couple of booklets of nature, a short form monologues. Um, several more of those are uh, coming, at least for me. And I know that Dan and, and Charles have talked about uh, uh, throwing their hats uh, into that ring uh, as well. So yeah, I I have a couple ideas in mind. Yeah. So
0: just gotta so, actually do them. Yeah.
1: So yeah. in case in, in case you were wondering, uh, dear listeners, we're not dead yet. Uh, We'll be back with a vengeance. Um, Our topic today is space exploration, Um, not just space exploration in general, rather uh, commercial space ventures. At least that's what we want to lead our discussion to, uh, taken on by private companies, uh, private entities. Um, Commercial enterprises have almost from the beginning of NASA, uh, the beginning of the NASA age, been involved, at least on the contracting side in space travel and exploration, Um, but today things are a bit, at times they are a-changing, as the uh, Nobel laureate uh, once sung. Uh, We have touched upon space exploration before. Uh, Our episode on New Horizons and uh, the the expedition to Pluto, uh, I think, was well-received, and uh, again, we had a lot of fun with that. Um, so, uh, but this is our next, uh, you know, our, our, our second uh, foray into this field. I guarantee you listeners that we'll be there again, uh, uh, especially as things take off, uh, that pun just slipped out. I'm sorry. Um, oh, as things, wow. <laughs> as things take off in, in, uh, in terms of, of private companies getting involved in this. Um, I do want to, to start with our, uh. You know, with a, a, a sad note, uh, I guess, uh, that uh, John Glenn uh, passed away uh, at the age of 95 uh, just yesterday. Um, interestingly enough, uh, you know, well-timed with regard to this uh, this episode, I suppose. Um, we actually had planned on recording this last week, so we wouldn't have been able to share anything on, on John Glenn. Um, uh, but uh, as it is, here we are. Uh, you know for for my part, um, you know John Glenn really is the face of NASA for me, um, at least as you know obviously an historic figure, first uh, first American to orbit the earth um, and uh, and and the oldest um, late late. Late in his life, I think I believe he was 77, yeah. he uh, went on the space shuttle. And, um, you know, so from beginning to end, you know, there's a lot in between there, right? You know, he, he uh, is one of our first, uh, first astronauts, um, uh, became a senator, uh, served uh, for the state of Ohio for a long while, and um, but again, you know, I, I look at him. You know, he's, he's one of those pioneering names that, that, that I will remember, uh, along with Chuck Yeager, uh, you know, first to break the speed of sound. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, it's a sad, it's a, it's a sad day, uh, but one where we can, I think, look back and see um, uh, incredible achievement um, uh, in in one person. Dan, what do you have to uh, add? Well, shoot, not much on that. I I
0: definitely concur with your sentiments there. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, when you think of the this whole kind of elusive concept of the American hero, hmm. I think it's it's hard you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't fit that bill of anybody by anybody's definition of the quintessential American hero. So, I mean, yeah. looking at, at his history of service in multiple capacities and U S government. So yeah. uh, he was uh, served in um, the Korean war, served in world war two mm, yeah. um, was uh, a fighter pilot. Uh, again, was the first, like you said, the first person to orbit the earth. He was the third American in space. Mm-hmm. Um, and see what it orbited three times on that first yeah. flight. Um, uh, yeah. uh, and then just went on to, um, to, uh, like you said, I thought that it was really cool that he got to, uh, go back on the, uh, space shuttle back late in his life. Um, yeah. even though there was some kind of criticism of, of, uh, well, this is just a gimmick. This is just a favor for him mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And like. I'm thinking, you know, let the guy go on the space shuttle. Oh, I mean, yeah. he, he's more than earned it. Even, you know, even right. even if you disagree with whether it's, you know, I don't know. I I thought that was really cool in my opinion. Oh yeah. Um and really that's all I have to you know, it's sure. it's a, it's a sad day, but like you said, it's good to to look back on this and say, yeah, there there are people like John Glenn that come along very rarely that that can have that kind of impact. Over a you know their, a huge span of their life, and yeah. so I just I want to see who the next person like him is going to be, you know, yeah. uh, in the coming um, era that we're going to be discussing. So
1: right, yeah, no, it's it's um, I you know I, I know the thing that I guess comes to mind. I think about him as I think about the right stuff, you know, yeah, or, you know that, uh, you know, I got to go back and watch that now because yeah, the, the, me too, I since I've seen it. I remember reading it when it, you know, uh, before the film. Um but uh yeah, it was one of these things that growing up, uh you know, astronauts and NASA and so forth were uh much of my sort of my non-fiction reading, I guess as a kid. That that's what I did. I read you know, I read I read books about them I, you know, obviously I was very interested in um you know, the whole space shuttle project began you know during my childhood and uh you know uh, so as a kid I did, a, I did a lot of reading of all of, you know all of uh mercury gemini apollo uh programs and, and what have you um in fact as i i'm sure i said on my uh you know my my episode of r3 uh Aeronautical, astronautical engineering—that was what I was going to do. And so, you know, I started early. I mean, I was into this stuff for a long time. So, uh, sad day, but good—good uh, uh, good to recall uh, some some great contributions to to uh, space sciences. Um, so uh, what I think would be a good thing for us to do at the outset and. Um, uh, you know, as we think about sort of the changes that have come about in space exploration, in um, astronautics in general that are, uh, are present with us and, and I think coming, uh, would be to look back at how it all began. Um, so uh, it's interesting, uh, one, of the, you know, one of the things that I, um, I I was not aware of until I started poking around um, a little bit is that NASA. We think of NASA as the beginning of our of our, of our space program, um, but it's really not. Uh, there was an organization um, entitled. Uh, let's see, it went by the acronym NACA, uh, which stood for the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, and. Um, it that that got its origin in 1915, um, which uh, was was uh, an interesting discovery for me. Uh, it was, of course, uh, throughout its history, deeply connected to uh, to military uh, flight, uh, but also to uh, flight in general, um, and uh, ultimately uh, with Connections to people like Robert Goddard, who uh, is a well-known figure in, in in rocket science, and I yes, I, there are error quotes around that, but I will I will say rocket science several times I think inadvertently uh, throughout our time. Um, <laughs> but uh, NACA uh, uh, supported the work of of, um, of scientists. Uh, you know, again, a government agency supporting the work of scientists studying all manner of flight. Eventually leading to a uh, flight which might um, slip the surly bonds, as it were, and, 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 and enter orbit. Um, in the late 1950s, of course, we have the figure of Werner von Braun, who um, anybody who has studied rocketry at all, at any uh, at any level, knows as the, uh, the 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 German scientist who we. Uh, enticed to come to the U.S. and uh, to build our space program. Um, uh, an interesting program that, uh, that, uh, that was involved in his, his coming to the U.S. was, was called Operation Paperclip, um, which uh, our listeners may, maybe have heard about. Uh, this was a, a, a distinct effort to bring uh, scientists from Nazi Germany to the U.S., uh, to take advantage of, to tap the expertise of, to perhaps uh, get them out of the clutches of um, a a um, well to get to get them out of the clutches of the Soviets actually, who surely were trying to do the same thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I don't know anything about that side of of of, of matters. Um, but uh, operation Paperclip is, is, is a dedicated program to bring people like von Braun over and so he mm-hmm. was uh, very much involved in our early efforts to uh, launch rockets and then ultimately to put things into orbit um, whether it be satellites in response to uh, Sputnik um, the uh, largely I think uh, showpiece of, uh, of, of Soviet space science um, uh you know not to take anything away from the not to take anything away from the program that gave rise to the the various Sputniks, but um, it was clearly uh, aimed at least partly to PR um, in the the early sure. um, early part of the really hottest part I guess of the Cold War era. And that's where NASA or comes from. Or the coldest right? part. Is yeah, or the China's coldest business. part. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but, well, I'm thinking, you know, the, the Cuban Missile crisis is 1962. So 1957, 58 is, uh, is not that far in advance of what really became a, a dangerous yeah. flashpoint. Oh, yeah. You know, so so um, you got something to say, Dad?
0: Yeah. Um, well, for, first of all, there's an interesting um, um, kind of not planned uh, – tie-in from our previous episode, the Twilight Zone episode, because one of the episodes we talked about was uh, the invaders. Yeah. And uh, and in that uh, uh, spoiler alert, um, in that yeah, uh, yeah. show, um, at the end you see that there's a, there's a uh, uh, the UFO that comes and invades this person's house is actually a spaceship from the U.S. Air Force. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about how that you know, was out before um, NASA was had come into being and that that the early uh, the precursors to, to NASA which is the non-military um, uh, c- civilian um, space mm-hmm. uh, agency mm-hmm. um, were all military uh, 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 ventures and the yeah. Air Force was involved with that and mm-hmm. so I just that's that's all I wanted to add there is that sure. we, we kind of that the early history of, of space exploration in the United States started with military applications as absolutely. as so many other um uh kinds of uh, endeavors have oh <laughs> like sure and yeah. meteorology same kind of thing whether radar started military and absolutely and and so it's it's interesting how much of that just to, just as an aside how much of these kinds of big ventures scientific or otherwise have their roots in some kind of military i don't know what uh, operations where I don't know what that says about us as a civilization,
1: but mm. it's it's interesting. Well, and I think yeah, it, it is it is funny. This is another boy, you know. I, I and, and I can't I can't recall how how we decided that we were going to do a program on this, but you know, the more that I think about it, um, the more I I would love to do a program with the City of Man guys about. Uh, government support for various things like this. I mean, I, I suspect that we could talk a great deal about art and, um, and music and and science. You know, early science yeah. as being connected deeply to governments of various kinds. You know, whether that yeah. means it's um, the the patronage of um, of important figures uh, for the arts. Uh, or the, uh, certainly the patronage of, of folks like Kepler and Copernicus and and, and early explorers to that you know, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in Europe. Um, and, yeah, and ask the questions, how does that impact what is done? And we'll probably talk a little bit about that, uh, I guess, later on today. But...
0: No, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, so. the,
1: it, it could be a lot of fun. So, um, City of Man, guys, if you're listening, watch out. We might
0: um no so, so and if, I won't um, forget your names if we do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coil Neil and Ed Song. Yeah. Um so uh we are uh you know th- thinking about uh NASA you know uh President Eisenhower immediately after Sputnik is launched. Um in, you know in November of 1957 he's speaking to the US and and, and, and Uh, talking about the need to improve uh, the the way that he pitched it. And the way that it began was a a need to improve science and technology education. That was the, uh, the, the sort of the the early thrust, but uh, eventually became one in which what we really were after is, um, is exploiting, uh, space, uh, exploration for for various purposes. And we can debate Uh, my students in Paideia in their papers when I have them write on the Cold War era that often will uh, angle towards these topics, the mixture of military and government and science uh, uh, in, 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 in rocket science, as it were, Um, Very interesting period from 1957 to 19, uh, well, really to to the uh, moonshot, you know, in in the late 60s. Um, But, uh, you know, NASA was designed as a follow-on to NACA um, with a a particular emphasis being added to space sciences. Um, And so, you know, it took basically a year. Uh, a little bit less than a year, for us to go from Eisenhower announcing that we're going to aim in this direction to formally transitioning to NASA. Um, the space program you know, then, then... Government develops. moves
0: more quickly back then, ladies well, and gentlemen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh,
0: like, that,
1: that, that is true. Um, but 1957 to 1969 is only 12 years um, and all we have to show for anything in the, you know, early months of 1958 is a few failed rocket launches, Yeah. right? A um, few failed satellite launches. Uh, we go from that to putting, uh, you know, uh, putting men in in uh, moon orbit and eventually landing on the moon uh, in just 12 years. Um, pretty amazing, pretty astonishing. Uh, yes.
0: And it, and it, to me, right. it proves that, that, you know, if you have the right kind of leadership and the right drive and the funding that you can, you, you know, governments or organizations can do amazing things like that. And mm-hmm. so that's going to come up as we talk about the the uh, the more most recent, uh, more recent uh, rise of private space
1: yeah.
0: exploration is like,
1: yeah, well, so. it's uh, it's it's um it's certainly the case that um. That aeronautical and astronautical uh, projects were uh, largely connected to the government, um, but they were deeply private sector connected. Also, in terms of those companies doing contracting work and making you know bids for work with the the government agencies, and this goes back, you know, this goes back to. Um, another fascinating topic which um, I- again in the in the context of thinking over what we might talk about today um, I got reintroduced to reinterested in um, and that was the uh, the quest to break the, the sound barrier um, uh, I read uh, one another one of these books that I read as a as a young teenager was the um, well, i read a number of books actually about Chuck Yeager and uh, uh, and, and his, you know his his project, the project connected to breaking the sound barrier. Uh, but there was this enormous program of all these X planes, right, X one through X whatever forty seven, um, which involved direct conversation, uh, in quotes, between the government and uh, Bell Aerospace and Boeing and Lockheed and Martin Marietta and you know all these what well, Lockheed and Martin now Lockheed and Martin is together right Rockwell um, a number of, of of big companies that eventually are our, our aircraft manufacturers and and, and what have you um, commercial aircraft manufacturers are very much buoyed by the these early efforts to both break the sound barrier and also um, to to work in the realm of of, of astronautical uh, 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 enterprises, so uh, these commercial ventures have, have have basically from the beginning been involved at some level. Um, and so, you know, I, one question that comes to mind as we sort of think about the way things have have turned today, where we have companies like Blue Origin and SpaceX that we'll talk about at some at some length um, really launching out on I'm sorry launching out on their own um, uh, as it were wow, wow. It, it's very interesting to think about why government is involved um, uh, so maybe you've got some comments on that Dan you know what is it that gets government's involved in this uh, why do they have to be or do they have
0: well, um do they have to be I think I think that a lot of dry, um a lot of what drives governments to um have a presence in space well there's the big there's the obvious one of having having uh surveillance and capability and making sure that you know you are able to see what other countries that may not like you very much are doing. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's that um, having the high ground, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, just like you were talking about with Sputnik, you know, largely a, a PR kind of gesture. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. There's a lot more to that in it. I don't want to, I don't want to be so cynical as to, as to say that that's the only reason, but certainly I think there's mm-hmm. a, there's a mode, uh, there's a, a huge kind of like <clears throat> let's flex our muscles on the international stage and show that we can do this amazing accomplishment,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and, and I'm all, I'm, you know, say, sure. as lo- If that's what it takes <clears throat> to get us to do things like that, then, then great. And I mean, certainly the moonshot uh, was, everybody talks about, you know, was a space race uh, between yeah. the Soviet Union and, and the U S which at least the U S won that leg of it. Um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, but even behind all of that is, I think, a larger and, and heartening spirit of cooperation. Hmm. I mean, in recent years, uh, decades, uh, particularly since the uh, fall of the Soviet Union, uh, there's been a lot of uh, of a uh, you know collaboration between, say, Russia and the U.S. and it, which mm-hmm. continues to this day, despite yet again, cooling relations. I don't mm-hmm. know how much longer that will last, but I hope it continues to last, at least to some degree. Sure. Um, and and also you got, you know, like the European Space Agency, which, you know, the U.S. helps out with, NASA helps out with. And so there's this – it's one of those stages that governments can do big things. Um, they can collaborate. They can compete at the same time. And I think it actually shows – some of the best of humanity on Mm -hmm. a large scale. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it serves that purpose. It inspires, um, now uh, it inspires, you know, the public, Um, it gives the public uh, something to, to be proud of and happy of that their government's doing. Mm -hmm. And I think there's plenty of people in government who are cultivating, space exploration for that reason. I mean, yeah. these are uh, I want to be clear that I don't have any kind of inside knowledge into this stuff. I it's or any good thing to back this up. This is just my impression mm-hmm. and my my uh watching these things for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's a couple things. Um also I think that there's there's a um uh like you were you mentioned private companies being, you know, serving as contractors for, mm-hmm. for, for governments. So like, for example, with NASA contracts out to Boeing, Lockheed Martin, and big uh, aerospace firms like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but another, um, another distinction that I see here is that the governments, at least, um, at least uh, NASA and the Soviet um, Union during the, um, the 20th century mainly their their main their main goals in that were to for for space exploration or at Mm -hmm. least a big big goal maybe not the main one um but at least for nasa it was Mm -hmm. um so we sent lots of probes and we're still sending probes to mars um we're still uh we sent lots of probes of venus the soviet union threw lots of probes at venus until some of them eventually stuck (laughs) and nothing nothing against any of our our Russian listeners, but the the NASA and the Soviet Union space programs had very different approaches. They both were effective in their own ways but yeah. uh, but the Soviet Union and I think we mentioned may have mentioned this on a previous show, but Soviet uh-huh. Union was very uh, much into let's just build something a little bit bigger and a little bit you know better and hope right. that it makes it and you know and they it worked well for their purposes but um mm-hmm. anyway yeah um, so government has, has traditionally government space ventures have traditionally been focused on scientific exploration, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and also, uh, military applications, satellites and things like that. Yeah. Uh, also another big thing, um, is, uh, and that's where a lot of like, like, uh, you'll have like universities will get in on that and collaborations and, and, uh, with universities and, mm-hmm. uh, and so PIs will, you know, submit grant proposals to NASA to, you know, and they'll build collaborative uh, missions like the New Horizons and others. So sure. mm-hmm. so this is a huge tie-in with the scientific research community mm-hmm. that has anything to do with space. And so even my own field of meteorology, obviously, we have a huge foot in the door there with NASA. And uh, And that brings me to my next point. Mm-hmm. Another big thing is deployment of Earth-monitoring satellites. So this is... Not just NASA, but uh, National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration Mm -hmm. satellites that basically are put up there to monitor the weather, um, oceans, uh, other environmental aspects, uh, you know, land use, vegetation, things like that. So we got a bunch of satellites that are basically doing nothing but, you know, monitoring the planet. Mm -hmm. And similar similar ones also are now orbiting Mars and. Uh, so that's another huge, huge push for government. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if we want to get into this right now or if mm-hmm. you want, if you had other any other point you want to make, but we can contrast that with what traditionally a private ventures have been about up to this point. So, yeah.
1: yeah. I do you have mean, anything
0: it, you wanted to add to that?
1: Yeah. Well, so it is, um, it's, it's very interesting that as, I mean, there there are sort of two. I guess there are two things that I can um, that, that that come to mind just reflecting on what you had to say, um, and that is that I mean, there clearly was a a government interest in a number of things that have uh, that have uh, left Earth orbit to go elsewhere, um, and that that government interest in those aspects was exclusively research. Um, you know, there's no, right. there's no application in some respects. Um, no, at least nothing yet, uh, which says, yeah, we, there's a, there's a private venture that wants to go and explore the uh, moons of Saturn. I mean nobody's putting out money to go do that right right um, yeah. uh, but at, you know on the other hand, uh, thinking of the other type of rocket launched stuff, which is stuff that orbits the earth right um, there's a huge overlap right yeah at, at the beginning okay so at the beginning you've got collaboration um with the National Weather Service uh, and NOAA and, 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 and others for the early um, weather satellites, which, um, I, you know, again, are launched in the early days of, I mean, beginning to be launched in the early days of, uh, uh, of NASA and what have you, and I don't, I don't know. I should know, I should have, I guess, poked into this question. Is it Air Force rockets that are launching many of these? Because I, I know, as you have mentioned in previous episodes, um, much of the early weather monitoring stuff was military related, and um, so you have you have um, you have that. and we
0: still have we still have like a lot of uh, polar orbiting weather satellites that are that are basically run by the military. Right. Um, but uh, you know that's a great question. I I don't know which rockets they usually use for launching mm-hmm. these, and I should know this. Sure. I, I will say that the fir- I, I the first sat weather satellite that was launched was the Tyros one in mm-hmm. um nineteen sixty. Yeah. And that was that was the first satellite sent up um with the express purpose so that it's going to monitor mm-hmm. the weather. Yeah. And then we've had and we just had the launch of Gozar. r yep. Um which you know, just the other which is another kind of evolutionary um Leap just last forward. week, right? Yeah, it was. It was. Or a week, was it? Two weeks I think ago, it was two maybe? weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, and actually, yeah. Just inside my uh, my three year old son was watching that on on his uh, iPhone, streaming live on YouTube, and he was uh-huh. really excited to wait. He was like, "Is it going to launch now?" Is it going to <laughs> launch? So he was really excited to watch it. So yeah, that was, yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. So
1: I mean, there, there's, there's And that and was
0: an that was an Atlas, I believe, right? it it, uh,
1: yeah. it would be because I think atlases are main. You know, yeah. It's our main launch vehicle, um, right? With the exception of SpaceX, for instance. Yes, um, or, yes, that's know, where some, yeah. other, some other companies, which are, are doing a lot of, of work um, launching for various government agencies, which will which we'll get into. But right. you know, the next the next big boom that I'm aware of, and I don't want to overstep my my bounds here um, uh, into your territory. But you know, but the next please um, do the next boom was was communication satellites, right? I mean, and again, some yeah. of the early satellites were. Mm-hmm. Um, were for communication purposes. And yep. this is a place where commercial ventures really get involved. In fact, right. uh, you know, DirecTV... Instead
0: of just being that. contracting, you know, for developing the technology and the mm-hmm. hardware, they're actually saying, we're, we're going to use these rockets to do things to, to make profit for our own purposes, like, you know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and,
1: and, and um, you also have, uh, you know, in more recent years, you've got government, private... Collaborations that have given rise to the network of GPS satellites that we've got, um, which are, I, as far as I know, are neither fully public nor fully private, um, but yeah. you know some kind of hybrid there. So, so satellite ventures aren't exactly, um, I think, what we're mostly interested in talking about today. Um, but they are the place where we really get um, a healthy synergy between public and private. Um, that has, in some cases, bifurcated to where you've got wholly private ventures. Um, like, well, let's see, the Weather Channel. What's that? What is the Weather Channel? It's a. <laughs> it takes, you know, I, I may even be mistaken, but um, it seems to me that they, there is the Weather Channel, is not exclusively working with National Weather Service. No, satellites. but they,
0: they're Are they- taking they're taking their. De- uh, yeah. I mean do they? pretty much pretty much all of the data yeah. that that the Weather Channel uses mm-hmm. to make their forecasts and what they're showing on the air is from like the uh, government yeah. uh, run okay. um so like the satellite images they're all those are all mm-hmm. government satellites, okay. the ghost satellites, uh the radars, all oh, of I course. think almost all National Weather Service radars. Yeah. So but they're 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 in the business of Profiting off of disseminating yes. weather um, uh, forecasts, mm-hmm. and based but they're using that the 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 freely available government data for that purpose, and that's just yeah. standard in the sure. in the private sector for meteorology. But that's yeah. not what we're talking about. Today. No, no, no. Yeah. So, so you know,
1: yeah. it, it's hard. It's hard to argue that people like Directv, um, you know, are who who do have I, I think their own communication satellites and so forth. Um, that's not space exploration, right? No. <laughs> that's that's taking advantage of what has been developed to you know f- you know further your own ends. So um, mm-hmm. where do we go from here? What, what, you you had some remarks on on the transition to private.
0: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So like a, like we were just saying, up until recently, private ventures have sort of piggybacked off of government capability. And, and I want to be clear here that there's no value judgment that I don't, I think either Todd or I are putting on this. It's just, Mm -hmm. this is just how the history of things have gone. Um, There, in fact, I think it's a great example of private public collaboration to do this and government collaboration to do this kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. it's not like the private companies are sort of like, you know, these hangers on, um, Mm -hmm. they're, they're a vital part of all of this. But just uh, until recently, um, they they've been basically you know serving you know government um like nasa missions or noaa missions or, mm-hmm. or um and using or and or using government hardware to um launch satellites mm-hmm. um like you were saying no real effort on any part of the private company to to um to uh, actually do any kind of scientific exploration um I, I don't want to put too I don't want to make a categorical statement about that. I mm-hmm. mean I'm it's and I could be completely ignorant. It's plausible that there are companies out there that are doing some kind of research in space for their for their own purposes, of R&D development. I don't mm-hmm. know about those, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they were. So I don't well, there are Yeah, there are completely...
1: companies who are so you know about these CubeSats. Right. Oh
0: yeah, 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 and that we were going to talk so, about that. Yeah, that's the yeah. cube set. That's a yeah, that's a good example, right? Right,
1: right. And yeah. that may be, you know, uh, private private universities, maybe um, you know, companies are are engaged with uh, with NASA. Or well, maybe is it a NASA program or is it a NASA and ESA program? I don't remember.
0: Um, there's so many different things going on right now. It's, you can't keep it straight. But I think that's <laughs> yeah. what well, is not
1: wonderful, though. I mean, that's... The, yes. You know, yeah,
0: absolutely. That, um, yeah. The CubeSat thing is a is interesting. I think I have some colleagues here, um, my department, who are talking about getting on board with working with some of the CubeSat stuff. For, there's, there's talk of using them for interplanetary research missions. Sure. Um, so lots of interesting possibilities that have opened up recently because of the private recent developments in private um, expansion into space. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So. uh, Should we go there next? Yeah, I I think, I think that's,
1: I think we should segue to that. So So, go for it. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to me. um, So, so what has happened? And again, I, I, for, for my part, um, just speaking for myself, I'm, I'm very happy that we have private companies that are in, you know investing in um possibilities for uh whether it's launch systems or um or you know outright research um uh, you know it, it there's a, it's it's fraught with with possible problems of course because there's always a profit motive people don't generally get into this without a profit motive um that you know could could color things but I, I I really do like the fact that we've got a number of companies out there now that are really um, working on you know hot and heavy on developments in rocket technologies uh, and, and, and and so forth um, it is it is interesting to me um probably not it's it's not really surprising to me, probably not surprising to anybody that the people who are spearheading these efforts are all those who have made money elsewhere. Um, so, oh, uh, yeah. Because they have lots Musk, of
0: capital to work with. Exactly, yeah,
1: exactly. But, but they're able, because, and this, this brings me back to medieval patronage of the arts. Yeah. You know, a, you've got wealthy people like Elon Musk, who's a PayPal co-founder, um, yep. multi-millionaire at, at, at age 30, um, uh, is the you know behind SpaceX? Uh, you've got Jeff Bezos, who is an Amazon executive, makes made scads of money. Is is, is putting some of that into Blue Origin? Um, mm-hmm. Blue Origin and SpaceX together are very interesting and a very interesting pair. I think actually their competition is very healthy um, because they're both after. Primarily, I mean the, the sort of at the at the beginning. I almost said so at the origin. That would have been bad. Um, wah, wah, at, at I'm, doing, I'm, sorry, I'm not going to let those. you get away with it. Now. Of course not. <laughs> but they are, you know, reusable rockets because yeah. the, one of the most expensive parts of, of of launch systems is, one of the most expensive factors is the fact that you launch it and you lose it. So um, so they are both working. Uh, Work today is largely in what can we do to um, to take that first stage rocket that's needed to get um, most of the way up, as it were, to to low Earth orbit, um, and can we land it? Can we land that instead of just you know sending it to the sea? Um, but also another one that comes to mind is Richard Branson um, and Virgin Galactic, mm. um, uh, which is more of a space travel. Uh, effort. Um, but you know, his efforts actually, if I'm not mistaken, I did not research this, but if I'm not mistaken, he's actually the earliest of those to, um, to get involved in, um, this sort of, uh, weird hybrid of, of, um, of sort of space exploration and space commercialism or or space travel. Um, you know, but, you know, he, again, he's, he's, uh, one of the executives of Virgin Atlantic airlines and, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, this space tourism, uh, kind of, kind of angle, um, which again, is not really what we're talking about, but these three, all three of these guys, Well, are... it's part of this as part of this whole, um,
0: cornucopia of, of, uh, new yeah. ventures that are happening. And right. uh, so we certainly can talk about it. Yeah. I all... don't know very much about those efforts. Um, my,
1: well, my, mm-hmm. my
0: attention has been pretty much focused on SpaceX lately because they're the ones that are, you know, in mostly in the news that are, you know, what they're, they're very visible with their rocket launches and supplies to the ISS and stuff. So, oh yeah, well, yeah. and they're,
1: they're, you know, no doubt that they're the most, I think the most successful of these sort of newer companies, mm-hmm. um, at engaging the, 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 the public eye although um you know Vir- virgin galactic so there's there what do they call it spaceship two or what have you yeah the one that crashed in 2014 right um you know they just launched they just did another power another independent glide back from uh you know with 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 another version of spaceship two um i think i think bert rutan was involved early on with virgin galactic if i remember right and he you know he also is a, a a pioneer of sorts in, um, in some innovative going technologies. I'm gonna,
0: this is probably going to be embarrassing, but should I know who that is? Albert oh, Rutan. Yeah. Oh my!
1: Oh, well, <laughs> so I yeah, probably I, should. No, you know. <laughs> no, no. So I, I mean, there was there was. Uh, let's see. The, the The most recent thing before, and again, I might be making a, an incorrect attribution, um, but if I remember right, and I. am I'm trying to avoid going to my uh, default mode, which is to Google. Um, uh, but he, I know, I know, he, you know, he was involved in these uh, solar planes. Um, you know, the very, very, very light composite planes that were um, that were uh, in um, shoot. Gosh, in the '90s, am I remembering right? In the '90s, he's about my dad's age. I mean. Uh, I think it was the '90s. Spaceship One, Spaceship One, I think is his design. Um, so, uh, and his company has got a funny name. Golly, uh, we should we should we should move on from there uh, because we're not really we're not really talking about this. But but the, the angle yeah. that that Branson brings with uh, Virgin Galactic is very interesting because again, it's targeting a, a group of people. Maybe you want to be the first one to. Um, you know, fly on one of these uh, suborbital, uh, you know, suborbital flights from, uh, you know, London to L.A. in four hours or something like this, Um, uh, or, you know, to to actually open up orbital or suborbital flights to people who pay for a seat. You know, that's 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 sort of their end. So their profit motive is clear. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, go. I don't want to poo poo entirely. I think it's, I think it's an interesting idea um, that is, I'm glad somebody's pursuing, but let's, let's focus in on the rockets. The rocket yeah. guys. Okay. So, so um, SpaceX and blue origin. Um, interestingly, there's a Luther college grad of physics who, who now works for blue origin. Um, and uh, so I, I I meant to get him on uh, on, on the, the line to, to talk a little bit about his his work, and maybe I should for future uh, booklets. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but so these two guys, they're, they're – they're, 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 uh, Blue Origin just got a, a NASA contract, actually, to do some, some orbital stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but SpaceX has been working for a long time, uh, right, uh, de- delivering stuff with their Dragon module uh, to yeah. to the ISS. Um they have been launching satellites for quite some time. Um, what do you what do you know about them recently? And then we could certainly talk about their Mars, you know, Mars colony ideas. That's that's what Elon Musk is really aiming for, um, yeah, long long term. And maybe that's sort of our next our next topic. But uh, you have anything yeah. to, to, to say about SpaceX.
0: Yeah, um, in the interest of time, I think that we should uh-huh. move on to discussing to discussing their sort of future plans. But just real yeah. briefly, mm-hmm. um, uh, what I think is impressive about SpaceX is just how quickly they've been able to basically. Build, design build their own rockets. Now, obviously this wasn't done in a vacuum.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh wah, wah, sorry. Uh-uh. <laughs> had to had to do it to myself there. Um some of it was actually done in a vacuum literally. Yes. Um but uh uh but they did build on, you know, experience from NASA, and of course. They're funded largely from NASA right now. Mm-hmm. That's one thing we another aspect we should put here is a lot of these companies are getting a lot of their funding from NASA. Yeah. Um uh, part of that is so that that, that, that essentially NASA is paying them to do things like bring supplies to the ISS. And eventually SpaceX, and I think they were actually supposed to do it this year. I, c- I can't remember for sure now. But mm-hmm. very soon at the least start taking over um, the the Russians' current job of launching um, astronauts to, uh, yes. to the ISS. Yep. That hasn't happened yet, but um, that should happen soon. Um there was kind of a hiccup with this recent uh, explosion on the pad of, of uh, from SpaceX, but mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of press about that, and a lot of people taking the opportunity to question viability uh, of private companies in space. And mm-hmm. all the time, I'm just thinking, look, rockets blow up sometimes. Yeah, there, it it is after all rocket science. Yeah. and <laughs> wow, and wow. yeah. <laughs> Of course I deliberately I meant that in yeah, I know you <laughs> <doing that. laughs> But anyway um mm. uh, uh, so but but they've demonstrated the the B, the capability of launching their first stage rocket and returning mm-hmm. it back to the pad. Right. And and that's a no small accomplishment. So mm-hmm. I find it very impressive. And so when I see um, Elon Musk going up on stage saying, "I want to die on Mars," yeah. there's a big part of me that believes he actually might pull it off. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know. Let's um, let's talk about that. What do you think about this grand ambition of SpaceX to go to Mars and send? I think they're talking about trying to send a hundred people at a time with mm. massive rockets. Um, do you think this is just total pie in the sky? He mm. hasn't thought through all the implications of how hard it is to get to Mars mm. or can, does he have that? Can he actually pull it off in this, yeah. uh, in the next say couple decades? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I, in, in terms of how fast things can be developed, I'm not sure. I, I, I I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I will say, you know, we what we're looking at. What we're looking at right now is a decade of work by a a, a, a single individual. Well, not single individual, obviously, but I mean, motivated by one person's vision, SpaceX uh-huh. has come to be from you know ideas on on an envelope uh to to a a company that's a viable partner for NASA to launch things um to uh to the space station and a a new important possible technology namely reusable rockets um again it's not simple it's not simple to have done this and so um, when he goes out on the limb and says i want to i want to I want to make Mars a destination for people uh scientists or otherwise um I have to say okay let 's see whether this is something that could happen, but I have to give some you know props to the guy for having the guts to get out there and say,
0: mm-hmm. I want
1: to do this." Um, you, you know, you won't, you won't be able to do it if you don't have that kind of vision.
0: Right. right? That's sort of a prerequisite. Right. Um, but, you know, he's not the, the, the first to come along and say, we want to do this.
1: And, you no, know. but he's the but first he's, to have you know, come as far as he has. And act, exactly.
0: This. And that was going to be my follow up. You're absolutely right. Is that, that the, 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 the what, SpaceX has already demonstrated their yeah. capabilities is enough to make me think that you mm-hmm. might actually have a shot at it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, obviously, there's a whole lot of logistics that people can argue that maybe SpaceX doesn't have the expertise in-house to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard some rumblings about, well, do they know how to shield the astronauts from you know, cosmic rays right. out in interplanetary space? Because mm-hmm. that's a big deal. It's, yeah. I mean, astronauts going into low Earth orbit... Um, are shielded to at least some extent still by the Earth's magnetic field. Yep. I mean, they still get a lot more radiation mm-hmm. than people down here on the ground. Yeah. Um, and we hear stories about this and, you know, pe- astronauts seeing flashes of light because, you know, high-energy particles are tearing through their retinas.
1: Right. Um, but It's probably Cherenkov radiation, but anyway, yeah. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah. but as you get further out, Beyond the the sphere of Earth's magnetic field's influence, Mm -hmm. then things get—you're at the mercy of a lot more radiation, particularly during uh, periods of high solar activity. Mm -hmm. When you have these coronal mass ejections that get launched out into Mm -hmm. between the planets, and so I mean, we need—I don't know. Um, They talk about having planned for shielding with water and things like that, which yeah is good, Um, but nobody knows. Since nobody has gone out. You know, beyond low Earth orbit. uh, Well, that's not true. Beyond the moon, (laughs) right? We have had people go out beyond the moon, uh, to the moon, obviously, and so that is a little bit further. But they weren't there very long. Right. Um, We haven't had anybody go out further than that for a long um, space venture, which Mm -hmm. we're talking months. Yeah. uh, Of multiple months of travel between the Earth and Mars. Yeah. With um, even with uh, you know uh, optimistic plans for, um, newer rocket technology. Sure. Um, and we don't know how the combined toll of these, uh, Mm -hmm. this radiation will affect people and also how, you know, things like gravity, um, lack of gravity and, uh, which we know we document is bad Mm -hmm. for the human body over Mm -hmm. a period of time. You lose bone mass. So Mm -hmm. these are all kinds of things that need to be worked out. Mm -hmm. And, what do you do when you get there sustaining yourself on the surface? Mm. Um, you have to live off the supplies you bring with you right. until um, you can build, you know, a self-sustaining infrastructure to grow right. your own food, bake well, your own fuel. You can grow and... potatoes. Wait, didn't we learn that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Forgot. We just need, we just need a, uh, was it Watney well, or Matt, well, yeah. Matt Damon? Yeah, yeah. 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 Matt Damon's character. <laughs> but, yeah. We need him to come along. He'll fill, he'll, he'll, he'll be able to fix right. any problem with spit and, you yeah. know, strings and, and other but, things, <laughs> which by the way, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's, oh, yeah. it, and it's a very good book too. Yeah. I like um, the book. Yeah. Uh Anyway. um hmm. So those are all things that I, I mean, I don't know and I'm not questioning it because I don't know enough.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But it's something that people, other people who are smarter than me and are more, know more about this stuff than I mm-hmm. do as far as like the space, uh, space travel
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, have raised questions about that. And, yeah. and, So it's possible mm -hmm. that uh, just for SpaceX to pull that off, that there's going to have to be more Mm -hmm. collaboration with other companies and Mm -hmm. or more or, or, or NASA, which as far as I can tell, NASA seems to have pretty much zero interest. Mm -hmm. They have their own Mars plans and it doesn't involve really involve SpaceX. So it's, Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, if somebody, if one of our listeners knows more about this and I, and saying, you don't know what you're talking about, Dan, please let us know, yeah. but that's my impression of things right now. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a grand vision. Um, I think it's plausible. I like to think, I, I used to think that there's no, I, I was really skeptical that I'd be able, that I would see somebody walk on Mars in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you know you start hearing about okay you know, shuttle program shutting down you know it yeah. looks like we're declining in our presence in space and uh, now now i see the rise of spacex and other companies like them mm-hmm. now i'm actually a lot more optimistic than i was mm-hmm. and i was just looking at my 3 year old the other day and saying you know he might actually be able to be somebody who could walk on Mars. One day. Hmm. And it kind of blew my mind thinking that thought, that it was actually a plausible thought and that sure. I didn't, my mind didn't immediately reject this. No way. Yeah. Know? So yeah. anyway,
1: no, I think that's, one, that's
0: all I got to say. Yeah.
1: Though. One one thing that I, I would, and I know this is, this is where the practical side of me looks at the idealistic visionary and says, well, why don't you aim for something a little bit less? Um, you know, namely, Going, you know, getting somebody getting back to the moon and, you know, if you're going to do you're going to if you're going to aim for Mars, I really think the natural place to start is to go to the moon. You've got to get there. Yeah, um, it's a lot. I don't want to say that anything is safe, but it's a lot safer. <laughs> Plus, seems, we've we've we know we can do it because we've right. done it. Yes, exactly. And and, and so I much I, inferior
0: technology. in many That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I,
1: I imagine that the SpaceX control room. Um, you know, uh, obliterates the 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 Apollo uh, control room uh, in in terms of what infrastructure is there. And, well, I'm pretty uh,
0: sure my graphene calculator has more
1: computing power <laughs> than the computer on board Apollo. So. Absolutely. So you know that would perhaps that's not you know that would not be something that a visionary wants to say is Hey, we're going to go to the moon. Um, you want to launch something. Uh, an idea out there further and say we're you know we're heading to mars um but I, it would it would seem to me that any any reasonable businessman would say hey let's let's uh let's do this intermediate step first just to make sure we've got all our ducks in a row um, but maybe that, that delays that things
0: why why so yeah and that's that's actually a good question why why do you think SpaceX isn't doesn't have that
1: yeah plan well maybe they do you why know, do they this, just this, this, this want to mars, go right to mars this mars colony thing is is um a relatively recent announcement and and in a sort of vision casting so maybe hmm. maybe somewhere along the way there's there's going to be uh you know some more intermediate plans brought in i don't know i don't know i would love to see it uh, so
0: what are some advantages then for for stepping to the moon first if well you list
1: Discuss yeah. some of them. I, well, I think, you know, um, among them, I mean, if, if you want to, his ultimate goal. I agree was, with you, by the way. But yeah, just, his, yeah. You know, his, his ultimate goal, right, is, is to uh, actually set people up there for a fair bit of time at, at, at Mars. Oh, right, right. And um, if you're going to do that, can you learn everything you need to learn on Earth and in theory? And my my contention is that you really can't. No, absolutely um, not. Now the Mars the Mars environment. It must be said the Mars environment is very different than that of the moon. The moon mm-hmm. there's no atmosphere whatsoever uh, on the moon. Mm-hmm. There is um, no. I mean, just the the the. I almost wanted to say the geological characteristics, but of course that's a misnomer. The. Um,
0: Seriological or whatever uh, yeah, you call whatever it, Celi- cel- Celiological, yeah. i forget. Selen- selenic yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. The ground,
1: the dirt, the dirt yeah. is very different on the, Mars the than, regolith. than on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's a—it's a very different atmosphere. You know, yep. the moon being uh, atmosphereless is as dry as can be. Now there might mm. be frozen ice you know in some craters and what
0: happens uh, yeah there's there're definitely we know about that in fact you yeah. know that's one of the things It's like if we do put a do put a base on the moon you want to probably try to put it in one of those shadowed craters near right. the poles where you have that
1: those ice deposits and and shielding from various um, various things right sure so um, i i i do think it would be beneficial to have um, uh, missions go to the moon in order to understand some of the long-term uh you know long-term questions that one must i think we are better equipped to be able to go relatively quickly you know it only takes but it only takes several days right to get to the moon it's not a long journey um and one can imagine extending uh an apollo-like mission to a much longer one um just for the purpose of learning by well, learning some of the prerequisite things that we really ought to have in mind. Um, now uh, the idea of building any kind of base on the moon before you go to Mars with people, I, I wouldn't think that that's really necessary mm-hmm. because building a base on Mars is no small venture in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just getting raw materials there would, 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 be a a significant um a significant uh challenge um right one which would invite commercial you know uh, participation of course yeah i can imagine a freight company (laughs) you know a freight company that's going to bring the you know whatever you're going to use it's not going to be steel probably um to construct stuff maybe it's carbon fiber or something um Uh, but you, you know, someone's got to get all the material up there and then we would have to actually build some kind of living space there. Um, I think before, certainly before you colonize, you would probably want some experience in building stuff on the moon. Um, at least it would seem to me to be sensible.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think I, I tend to agree with you there, but mm -hmm. you know, we'll see how this all shakes out. Right. It's kind right. of hard to see what what are the next steps and yeah
1: yeah I think and it's I know a stage a, a staged effort you know where we sort of do some of each I think would be most beneficial and it would be most beneficial for us if we had more than one company working on these things even though I'm glad to see SpaceX um, putting their foot in the water in this way oh Dan did I lose you nope. Okay, Still here, good, good, good. good. Um, so yeah, um, we're at an hour. We could muse for a long time. I don't know. You want to? One of the things that I I, I know you want to talk about is. Uh, oh boy, do you want to talk about this now? <laughs> this would be a very well, long. Yeah, that's. Or, or, or um, do we want to talk about that on a future
0: episode? You know, that's not a bad idea. Um, okay. Well, um, well, just to give a teaser, um, one of the things that I was thinking about. Discussing on this episode uh, was what? Where where do we go from here? Assuming that that um, you know SpaceX succeeds and getting to Mars, we and or other some other company down the road. Say we're we're Todd and I are magically transported to you know the late twenty first century, and we're looking around us and we see, oh wow, we got base on the moon, we got people walking on Mars, we're starting you know, to spread out as a, as a human race into um, interplanetary space Mm -hmm. and becoming a true, you know, spacefaring civilization. What kinds of implications does that have for how we view ourselves? um, You know, at ethic, you know, what kind of ethical considerations come up? What does religion look like in this context? Mm -hmm. And particularly um, what, what, what does the presence of Christianity look like in a, in a space-faring humanity? Um, it seems to me that there's all kinds of interesting theological um, questions that you can ask that or certain things may be possible or certain contexts may, may be in place that we just don't have any precedent for mm-hmm. um, up to the present time. And I don't pretend to have any kind of, you know, expertise on these kinds of topics at all, but these are always things that have fascinated me. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think that that's a really big topic Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something worth talking about, but probably we should leave that for (laughs) a future episode because like you said, we could get going on it. But I, I guess what I will say is that I personally, when I, when I look at the possibility of, of, just, just to leave it on this note, when I, mm-hmm. and when I, when I personally look at the possibility of us, you know, be, you know, moving to a, you know, other planets and whatever, I find that to be an exciting prospect on multiple levels, and and even on theological level, as far as like, it's to me, it's it's a it's it's a out natural outgrowth of of the uh, Im- I don't even know how to pronounce it in the Latin, so I'm just gonna say mm-hmm. image of God. Um, yeah, mago uh, Day. but um, mm-hmm. yeah, mago dei. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, just sounds more profound than so. <laughs> right, um, right, Yeah, but uh, um, I think that is. It's just like our drive to to explore and and learn and things. And I I know that there are some you know believers who may think you may kind of say, well, we just need to, you know you know, keep our feet on the ground, so to speak, whatsoever. And, and or that, you know, Jesus is going to return before we can do anything like that anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, there, but, you know, I, I, I find it, I don't know. We just mm-hmm. don't know, but I think it's, it's, to me, it's an exciting prospect. Yeah. Um, And yeah. I don't see any, I see, I feel like in some ways and in, in, in in my gut that this is sort of our destiny one way or the other, either in Mm -hmm. this age or the age to come is that we will be, you know, moving out beyond the earth. Sure. And so what that might look like, Mm -hmm. those are, there's a lot of interesting stuff we can talk about, but um, I think that should be left sort of as a possible future.
1: Well, I, I'm beyond possible. I think we need to do it. So. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so it will spring, happen. Yeah. 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 We'll, uh, we'll, we'll explore yeah. these things again. Um, yeah. Probably a good place to wrap up, I think. Yep. Um, and so I would, uh, uh, I when we post uh, show notes here, I've got a load of, of things connected to SpaceX, things connected to Blue Origin, things connected to the space program. That I think we're going to just load up our our, our our page for this episode with a bunch of links that uh, that you can look into to explore. And um, it's a fascinating area, a uh, fascinating area for discussion, for thought, um, leading to some of the kinds of things that I think Dan and I will uh, will certainly take up and. Um, I know Charles would love to weigh in on, on, on those matters. So we'll uh, make sure he can be part of it.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, we're, 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 missing
1: Charles here. We need you, Charles. Come back. We, 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 we do. We need him to go on a Charles rant. Um, yes. I think we can come up with one uh, yep. for him. So um, what we are recording again soon, right, Dan? Yeah. Uh, so
0: next week um, we're going to talk about cosmological fine tuning The apparent uncanny um, tuning of certain aspects of our universe, like constants of nature, like the strength of gravity, the strength of other fundamental forces, um, and and things like that, that seems to allow for us to, well, allows us for us to exist, of course. We Mm -hmm. exist, but we wouldn't be talking here if we didn't, but just it seems like it could have been otherwise and if we had changed just a few things if we twiddle with the knobs a little bit it, we get does it, we meet with disaster and so the mm-hmm. the we're going to talk about that is is whether what this fine tuning is um is it is it for real um what what kind of implications does it have mm-hmm. uh, theologically and otherwise um and uh all kinds of things associated yeah. with that so that's that'll be the topic for for next week right. um there's a recent book um by um Luke Barnes and Geraint. I cannot remember his last name now I don't have the I, book in I don't front of remember. me yep but um uh both of them cosmologists um who discuss this in a, in a recent book called a, a fortunate universe mm-hmm. and so I'll, we'll be kind of springboarding a little bit off of that and some other i mean th- this is a <clears> perennial <throat> topic in in the on on internet blogs and in different news sure. sites about about these things so we'll we'll be there's lots of material for for discussion
1: yeah so yep yeah no that's good that's great so um you can probably look for i i, I I think we'll have that episode uh, as well as this one, which you've already downloaded if you're listening to it. Um, those will both be out before Christmas. Um, I have a little uh, uh, an idea or two for some booklets that I'll be uh, putting together, but you'll have to find those as they come out. Um, I do want to take this time to encourage you all, uh, listeners, to uh, check out all of our Christian Humanist Radio Network uh, podcasts um i won't name them all now because we've got so many but uh, but i do want to I, I do want to um bring uh out uh a, a you know some something which has just come to our attention and that is that uh nathan gilmore is going to be uh going off to uh as an official uh emissary i i guess of the of the christian humanist radio network to uh something which is uh that which Homebrew, Homebrew christianity is in, involved in called the Theology Beer Camp, <laughs> which I, I don't know. When I first heard this, I thought, what? When what? I first heard it, I,
0: I thought, that sounds so amazing. <laughs> Bring it on. Well, that was
1: definitely fast on the heels of, what? Um, <laughs> this is uh, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, California, yeah. Redondo Beach, California in January. What do you think? Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Um, so, uh uh, you should uh, go check out the links at uh, theology beer camp, all one word theologybeercamp.com. Uh, you can uh, get tickets there for uh, for that event, and there is a hundred dollars off um, uh, coupon code discount code, which is Blitzen for Jesus. That's B-L-I-T-Z-E-N for the number four Jesus. Um and you'll get a hundred dollars off on uh on your registration. And um sounds like a great time, a lot you know, touring of of California uh uh, uh breweries, uh, of which there are many, of which there are many which are very, very good. Um uh, discussion and, and conversation on on topics uh, uh, across a, a, a rather wide spectrum of, of of ideas of connections of theology and, and and life and so forth. So it sounds like mm-hmm. a, a fascinating thing, which unfortunately I cannot uh, partake in. Although I would be there in a heartbeat if my schedule would allow it. So same here. Do check that out, theologybeercamp.com. dot com. Um, registration uh, for the discount has to uh, be done uh, through Christmas, so there's um, a relatively short time, but we wanted to make sure and get this announcement out there to you. All righty then, uh, that'll do it for another episode of the Book of Nature. The Book of Nature podcast is a member of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. Our press liaison is Kristen Philippic. We invite you to check out all of the other podcasts on the network including the Christian Feminist podcast, the flagship Christian Humanist, uh, the uh, City of Man, uh, the Sectarian Review, the Pietist Schoolman. Uh, check us all out. Uh, you can find us anywhere uh, that good podcasts can be found. So on behalf of Dan Dawson, this has been Todd Pedler for the Book of Nature. Thanks for listening again and Merry Christmas.